Hey everybody, before we get started today, I just wanted to let you know that today we do talk quite a bit about addiction and depression. And we here at Through the Fire always try to give you the best tools in our notes of this podcast. So please go there if you or somebody you know is struggling with these things. And most importantly, we hope that we've inspired you to continue to talk about it. Hey, I'm Don Amaro, and this is Through the Fire, a podcast about overcoming adversity, reframing misfortune, and celebrating courage. On this show, you're going to meet some really incredible people who have been through some heavy stuff, but they've come through the other side. And the hope is that you're encouraged and inspired by the words that you hear. So this this is a, a, a podcast I started, and we, we haven't even launched it yet. It actually launches on September 20th. This is the first time ever quite like this, uh, where we have an opportunity to sit down in front of some folks and, and share some stories this way. Now, we have a pretty intimate audience here, so if there's questions that you that come up for you along the way, I'm going to open that up. If, if there are, I think, you know, my, me and I would, would venture to guess for my guest... Dallas Smith, he'd be happy to share that too. So this podcast, uh, it's called Through the Fire, which is about kind of going through hell and going through stuff in life. And, and so we're, we're going to get into it today and, and talk through some of these things with, uh, with uh, my buddy and somebody who I've gotten to know over the last couple of years in, in the scene and uh, who's been pretty supportive to me as well. So uh, we're going to get comfy and I'm going to ask you to welcome my, my guest today, Dallas Smith, everybody. Welcome to the hot seat. Hey, Don. How you doing? <laughs> good, good, man. Thanks for doing this. Of course. This is, um, you know, for, for, for a brand new podcaster, because there's, you know, there's, there's no shortage of podcasts out there. There's lots. But I figure the kind of content that we're going to talk about and the things that we're going to uncover here uh, hopefully help others out there. That, and that's, that's the reason why I wanted to have these. And I know you've been pretty vocal about mental health and wellness and the importance of that and... Yep. Yeah, we're going to get there yeah. Okay. in a little bit. All right. I've been wanting to sit down with you for a while. We've, we've known each other for a while, but we've never actually sat down. It's always been like, hey, man, nice to see you. It's Give like it's always CCMAs in passing. You're doing something or whatever. It's, you know, high five, Bluetooth from like yeah. across, the, <laughs> across the hall. There. But yeah. I, I've, uh, you know, your journey, I know, obviously from what we all see in the public eye, from, you know, from your, your days now as a, as a country star, and I'm going to get this number wrong, but 20... Three top ten songs. Uh, however many songs I've put out in the format is that's how many I guess. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Like, like I think about that. I think about you cross genres. You came over from from the default days. Yeah, and you still do some of those tunes in your in your set now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. We used to do um, Count on Me as well, but we do Wasting My Time. Yeah, pretty yeah. much every time. It's a, it's a really cool moment to be able to strip it down and be alone with the crowd. One of the questions that's been lingering from my mind is, again, just giving me some context. Where did it start for you? Was Default oh. the first, or was it? Was there like three or four really bad bands before? <laughs> Man, I, I have a very, very unique story. Um, everybody finds their own path, and uh, mine is unique. So I, I grew up in, I was born in New Westminster, BC, um, and my parents had me in uh, like the Newton area of Surrey until I was about six. It was a pretty rough neighborhood. Um, so we moved to a new uh, new area, Walnut Grove in North Langley, just along the Fraser River. And I still live in the same area, just down the street. Um, and yeah, it was it was a great place to grow up. It was a pretty small community at the time. Um, music was around my house a lot. Um, I remember singing. My mom took me to percussion courses, like just little little workshops here and there, uh, really really young. And she was. Uh, she was a women's professional choir, so I, it was a sweet Adeline. So I grew up listening to my mom doing all of her vocal warm-ups and, you know, harmonizing. And she used to, like, ask me if, like, our pitch was and stuff. Mm. Um, like, I, I, I sang along in the house as well and, and enjoyed doing that stuff until I got, like, I don't know, grade three, grade four. Um, I, I apparently just shut up. I didn't. I just became self-conscious about it, whatever. And I don't. I don't associate any memory with that. I just. It's a little bit of a blur. Like you, back mean then. you stopped singing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I became shy about it, and that was that was the case. 
until I was actually, well, maybe like opening up in like 300 C places for Nickelback. And like, that was the yeah. scene back then. And right. um, so that was kind of what I was exposed to. And then the singer of what ended up being default. So Jeremy and Danny singer left and I would just go hang out and drink with them and party with them. So Friday night, I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to go and get over this fear. I'm tired of being scared about this. It's something right. I really, really enjoy. And if there's anything I'm going to do, I want to just make this leap. And it was just to get over the fear, just to show I could do it. Hmm. I didn't really grow, like I grew up dreaming of being that, but I was so introverted, I just didn't associate me chasing that, you know? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I had, I, had, I had a bunch of beer. And, uh, yeah, we, I, I got up and I sang and like, just very, very similar to this, I wired Mike into something like this and, and I sang, um, Stone Temple Pilots plush yeah. was the first song I sang live in front of anybody. And since, you know, since I was like six years old, so, hmm. um, and, and this then is, this is when you're saying when you're 19, yeah, when I was 19 okay. or 20 years, 20 years old. Yeah. And I'd finally just gotten over that fear and had the opportunity to do it and took it. And, um, a year and a half later, we had a, a U.S. record deal. And then a year and a half later after that, we had a U.S. platinum record and we're traveling all over the place. Right. Um, so going from, uh, going from a very introverted, very self-doubt driven um, young, young man, it was uh, that whole ride. I really enjoyed it at the time. It was a lot of excess, a lot of drinking, mm-hmm. a lot of drugs, um, you know, uh, I view that process now as like, it was a great opportunity and like, I saw a lot of great things, but as a kid who didn't really have, um, yeah, I, I was not ready for that right. at all. And, uh, I went to school, like I got a lot of street smarts very, very quick. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it's, 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 I look back on it and I look back and I was white knuckling it still at that time. And I look back at a lot of those moments as like kind of like honestly traumatic and had sort of native negative effects on me and mm. which turned into like a lot of more excess and drinking and, and just being a not good version of yourself, like to your family and everybody around you. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. And, and, and what comes with that is, not being ready for the second record after the great, you know, we just, I just, I just wasn't there. I wasn't mm-hmm. even close to being prepared to be able to prepare for a second record for a band that had a, something and an artist, a person, a singer who had, you know, that come that fast. Right. So right. it was, yeah. And I, I, so the, the second record did okay, not good in the U S and it just really hit us pretty hard. Right. It was, mm-hmm. we had a, a manager, um, a business manager who was like, if there's any accountants out there, we were playing Canadian shows, and he was not remitting, uh, remitting the GST to the government, and he was stealing from us. Stories. And yeah, yeah. Oh, so man. we ended up like, like we like the label went bankrupt, TVT Records, um, and then that so we didn't have a, we didn't have a record deal. We had a record, but no record deal. And then um, we found out that we were like in the hole, 350 grand, and like there was no shows, and like so talk about from the peaks of like yeah. going from I'm just a kid singing in my fucking living room to like platinum record all of that stuff traveling opening up mm-hmm. for Nickelback for two solid years and, all and, over the world and the public and then, perception is probably like wow look you guys are tearing it up making so much money living it up yeah, I mean yeah we, we, we made we made decent money but it was split four ways and we had right. a manager stealing from us so at the end of the day right it was just it was decimating we were we, all four of us were pretty much decimated uh, financially mm-hmm. um and uh, so, yeah, it was a very, very, it was an amazing experience, but it was also, it was very, very traumatic. And, and, and all of that stuff came with um, lots of drinking, hmm. um, uh, divorce, got a 17-year-old boy, he's just a beautiful kid. Um, and uh, I got to, uh, I got to, I got a chance to take another leap of faith. And I think, you know, I've, I've told this story many, many times, and that's when I... I just uh, had the opportunity to go down with a buddy, and we just kind of went down, and, and now he's co-owner of Big Loud Records, and hmm. he lives on a big castle in a hill <laughs> down there somewhere, and and uh, I've been able to kind of, yeah, I mean, keep recording music and keep making records on my own terms and work with 
my friends and um, friends that actually, you know, coming back to that, it's like friends and on a label and a management team and everybody and that understand um, me and my needs and the mental health stuff that goes on and mm. how important family is to me. Like my son's 17, but he asked me, why do you never move down to Nashville? It's like, like fucking, I like to sleep at night, you know, like I, I, it's, it's the most important thing to me. Um, so yeah, I work with, I work with the team that ideally, yeah, they want me down in Nashville, but they're, they're great with me being up here. So right. yeah. So I, right now in my career, I feel very, very supported and I've had, I have, you know, for the last, last 10 years, Working with with, mm. working with my friends and stuff, and kind of going through them, um, yeah, just the you know the things I've been pretty open about mental health stuff throughout right. the last ten years. You know, with social media, and so yeah, just kind of going through that process, and with a great team and a, a great wife and a family that supports me. So I feel like I'm in, you know, it's never it's never perfect with mental health stuff, but I have a I have a good group of people that I know that you know. Or behind me and yeah. my back, yeah, and supporting you all the way. Yeah, yeah. Has it always been music? Were you were you ever nine to five? Because music yeah. is like like fourteen, fifteen hours a day, sixteen hours a day. Because yeah. it's more than a nine to five sometimes. But you were a nine to five at one point. Yeah, like, I was talking about this today. Uh, coming out of high school, I I was an idiot for like a year and a half, and then I went to BCIT for uh, for HVAC, so like commercial air conditioning, like the in restaurants you see the exposed pipes and all the yeah. You know, yeah, rooftop units. You put all those stuff, all that stuff in. It was a, it was good. Like we, we, uh, they understood. I was in the band at that point, um, and we were like recording and doing things and playing local shows and showcasing, and uh, they were really supportive. Uh, so I would go and work a full eight hours and drive an hour back downtown. I'd be covered in fiberglass from the piping and stuff and insulation, and mm-hmm. we'd be singing in those things, running through songs and. And writing and yeah. and then so so you're in default, things hit the fan. Yes, uh, with all that. Yeah, and then w- j- just catch me up here where the leap to the country community and mm. kind of doing that. W- what happened in that gap between default and that? Well, it was like I think we put default. We had a last record out in 2008 or something like that. 2007. Okay. Um, and as like mid 2000s was like Keith Urban, um, I, like the Rascal Flatts stuff, uh, like early Dirk stuff. There was really like some country music that had some like rock elements and some mm-hmm. great voices. And like, I wasn't a, so I wasn't liking lyrically like what was going on. I didn't I didn't identify with it. But what I was hearing in the different format was like a blend of like this is this is perfect. This is amazing. I had everything mm-hmm. that I'm that I that I love, and it's it's there. So. I didn't. I, I had. I, I actually had a producer uh, of our third record, the default record. He actually stopped in the middle of a vocal take and he looked at me and he goes, "We should do a country record together." <laughs> and I had my my ex wife's, uh, so my ex father in law. He said that to me when I was in. But I, I never in a million years would have thought that that would ever be something that I would. That it, it just wasn't. It wasn't obvious on my path yet. Right. And yeah, but it was like hearing Keith Urban and hearing you know a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I just started. We're playing default shows, and we had this great opportunity. We're opening up for Three Days Grace and arenas all across Canada, and I'm in the back of the bus warming up to, like, yeah, mm. Keith Urban and Rascal Flatts records, mm. and I just found it really, really cool. Like, I just love the music. And um, during that time, Joey Moy, uh, the guy who was talking about who owns uh, co-owner Big Loud and produces my records and a bunch of others, um, we had been talking about our mutual love for that kind of stuff because we were mm-hmm. both big rock fans but we love songs yeah um and the production and everything and yeah eventually by the end of that three days uh, grace tour we were in montreal should be happy as all hell i was miserable in the back of the bus just mm-hmm. doing what i did not want to do um and uh i messaged joey i said country record question mark and then two weeks later three weeks later we were down in nashville and we were in a room with craig wiseman like, all right, that's <laughs> and, super and, cool. and that's and that's kind of how that journey started for me. And that, and it's funny because I got I got buddies. You probably hear this from time to time. I got buddies of mine who are not country fans. Yeah, and they go, uh, Dallas Smith, isn't that that default guy? Yeah, you probably, yeah. probably hear that all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. Like when I play a U.S. Like most people in Canada figured it out, but when I play like a U.S. festival or something, 
like it's really funny watching them when I tell the story and then I play wasting my time down there. Mm-hmm. It's it's hilarious. They make the connection. They go, oh, that's. Yeah. Um, you said something a second ago about sort of you just love really good songs. I've yeah. been saying lately, like, you know, I could get crucified in this room if I say this here, but I'm going to say it anyways. I do. There are people that say country music is the greatest genre in all the world, and I've been saying I think a great song is the greatest genre in all the world. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you could you could take a great country song and you could you could production dress it up and it's the song yeah it's all about the song it's all about right? the song i agree yeah yep. your new one's great by the way i've been listening thank you to that one yeah i wish i wrote really it good. but yeah i tried to sing this with mckenzie yeah. 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 yeah yeah great tune yeah one two yeah i've been friends with mckenzie for for quite a while um i've been a big fan for her of her for like the last like eight years i think or ten years mm. um and yeah to be able to run the same label and be able to full circle with that it's great yeah yeah <laughs> um I want to go to the dark side. I know you've already, you've already exposed some of the dark side here in our conversation. But yeah, I rambled on yeah, for a while. No, there, it's, yeah. Honestly, that's good. I think a lot of us, I mean, I just, from my perspective, I feel like I don't always get to hear that side. It's 20 years. Like that's, I mean, I'm 45 this year. So that stuff, like mm-hmm. thinking back, I almost kind of have to ramble on because it plays back. I can't, it's hard to piece it together in a story. Yeah. I can just kind of have of to blab it out clearly. You know? Right. And yeah. Kinda, yeah. yeah. I, I struggle with that too. Cause there's so many pieces of this story where you're trying to put in all the things together and, and make it make sense to the listener. Yeah. You did a good job. Okay. Thank you. Um, the, uh, the mental health journey for you, I know you've been pretty vocal about that in the last couple of years. Do you, do you, can you, can you pinpoint a place where it was like, I know this thing is a thing for me. And, and it's it, from what I understand people who are, struggling with their mental health is it's not a fix all. There's not just a one thing that ends it. It's kind of like, you're always, you always have to kind of stay on top of that mental mental health is something we all have to keep top of mind. So for you, when did that, when did that, when did you come to the realization like, Oh, this is an important thing I need to address. I actually, I actually had just said somebody, it was a, a counselor. Um, it was a new counselor. I was, I, I had been going through terrible part in a relationship pre Kristen. Um, and do you remember uh, when this would have been like uh, 10, 15 years ago, 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. It would have been like 2008, 2007, something like that. So this is around the end of the default era too. Yes. Right? That, and around yeah. a lot of the heavy drinking and stuff yeah. like that. Right. So you know, through counseling, um, first appointment, do sort of a, a thing. Um, it was a second appointment. I can't remember, but anyways, it was very, very early. And he, gave me this uh, questionnaire sheet. It was a lot of, a lot of questions regarding, and I'd never seen it before, or it was like a questionnaire sort of to guide him where you are, you know, uh, with your mental health and depression and stuff. And um, I scored pretty high. Um, and he like made no bones about it. He's like, you are, you're a clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I remember just breaking down, you know, cause I never really, had, yeah, it's, it's, um, having somebody validate or like verify and just like all of a sudden that opens up such a, uh, yeah, wave of emotion, just even mm. talking about it. Right. But I remember that. And, um, yeah, and I started going through that process and, you know, I was with, a, I was with somebody at the time who, you know, was there, but not there, mm. you know? And so my, my initial journey with that, you know, it's part, part of my fault too, cause I still was drinking a lot and, um, but I, you know, I was drinking heavily on well, like well, well, butrin was the first one that was that was uh, I was given. That's the medication. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and apparently you're not supposed to drink on that one. And I, 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 I'm sure I knew that, but I was I was beyond reasoning with and right. stuff like that. So my first my first experience with that stuff was like uh, just chaos, chaos. It's the darkest time, hmm. darkest. Yeah, been through divorce and dealing with not, you know, being there every day. The sun and all it's just mm, yeah it's heavy stuff for sure yeah yeah so it was you know yeah it was like holes in the walls and like just just yeah it was bad so I, I went through that process changed medication and it like throughout the years it's still going through it like it's 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 I'm I'm learning that I'm learning more and more that even though I've switched medications and I've gone through different things and parts of my life in the last fifteen years. Um, it, it's the medication helps and there's a place for it and for sure but you really have to go like for me I'm learning like that cognitive therapy stuff and like the breathing and like I live so much in my emotional part of my brain and my fight or flight mm-hmm. reptile brain and I'm learning that, that, that the more that I do that 
um, the more that I feel like I can come down off my medication a little right. bit because I feel like I'm in a good spot, but I'm, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, just, just for other reasons, I started going to different therapy and, um, we started doing a lot of that stuff. So like I said, it's a never ending journey with it. It's, mm. it's, you're always tinkering with it and what stresses and what's going on with your life and an environment. And, um, so that's kind of the process I'm going through right now is like, I'm, I'm chaotic. I'm, uh, I don't sit down very well. I don't, I, I relate. Although we're sitting right now, this is pretty good, but we're doing something. Yeah, I'm engaged, good. right? Like I'm engaged, but, right. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I like the meditation and stuff and I, I'm like a spiritual guy, but I'm not like, I'm not going to go to Tibet and like do a monk right. thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm getting into that, uh, stuff of it. I'm going to try to come off a of medication and it's just, it's, it's never not scary. It's just kind right. of a process, right? Well, I heard, I heard a, uh, speaking of monks, there was a, an, an interview I, I watched, a documentary, and a monk talking about um, how he would live with this anxiety. And he's, he went to his, his teachers and he would say, I'm, I'm just afraid of this thing. And the, the monk said, well, instead of trying to push it away or run away from this thing that, that's in your mind, he said, welcome it. Understand that it's there. Say hello. Acknowledge it. Yep, and breathe through it. That's yeah. the whole thing. Keep yourself in right there. Yeah, you know, instead of being afraid and relying on, or being afraid of what this thing could be, or what this thing reminds you of that happened in the past. It's mm-hmm. anxiety. That's the that's the thing. So yeah, it's a process. And I'm yeah. I'm constantly learning about it. And my my you know my kids. I mean, it, it is a hereditary thing, right? It's just anxiety and what comes with that. And so you know, learning these things and, and passing them on to our to our children are a massive, massive thing. So those mm-hmm. tools we don't teach in different societies and different cultures. Meditation and those things happen. And and there's a reason why those societies aren't on as much medication. Right. We aren't given these tools. We're just like it's thrown out this chaos world, and you. We live in that different part of our brain where, mm. like monks, you like you're saying, you live with it. Think about it, but don't panic. Yeah, you have to learn how to control your breathing and keep you can keep yourself in this part of your brain. Right. So, um, and that that will take away the anxiety and and a different way for your brain to rewire itself into not going into the fear and the fight or flight shit. Yeah, a, a common thread in, in, in discussions that I'm having with folks like this. I love this because I. I've always been a hard on my sleeve guy. I've, I've always told people about the, the highs and the lows and the darkest times in my life. And I love this because it gives me an opportunity to have these deeper conversations with others and, and dig a bit. And so again, I'm glad that you're here. I can dig a bit on, on Dallas Smith. Yeah. But, well, dude, maybe, I think, I think I can say we like, I think we, we got along right away. So maybe that's the kind maybe that's the common thing. Maybe, but, yeah. but I was gonna say the common thread is, is breath. Yes. Breath. Yes. Breath is the big, I keep hearing that over and over and over. And so, you know, as folks are out there, you know, here today or listening at home is just, I think we, we take for granted every breath that we get. I found a weird nerd fact here. I listened to, a, I saw an Instagram post came up and it's, it's Neil deGrasse Tyson. He said, you know, every breath you take, there's more neurons in that breath than there are breaths in all of the atmosphere of the earth in every single breath. Isn't that a crazy stat? I can't make sense of that in my head. Can <laughs> another, anybody else another, explain that to me? <laughs> another nerd, nerd fact. He said in a glass of water, there's more molecules in that glass of water than there are glasses of water on the entire earth. Oh. So think about that. So that, yeah. Okay. Now we're going to take our commercial break. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it's fascinating to me, these things that we, we, we have and we take for granted. But um, I was going to ask you now was, um, you know, talk about that the darkest days. What... You know, we talk about medication and sort of how that sort of the thing. My son, he's ADHD and is on medication. And we at first were a little bit worried about crossing that threshold into medication. And we thought, no, we can manage this with all of our stuff. And, and somebody said to us, if somebody you know needs glasses, do you deny them the glasses? If somebody you know needs minerals or, or, or vitamins or things in their body, do you deny them that? No. If somebody has ADHD and medication is going to help them, do you deny them that? And it's like, oh, right, this isn't... Their brain just doesn't actually work the same way as. I'm on that else's. stuff right now. I, right. I I actually had a uh, um, I yeah I came across like the, the fact that I was I had some of that and I started inquiring with um, family friends and I I mentioned this to, to to one of my close family friends and they're like duh like I <laughs> yeah I met you when you were seven and you've been like that your entire life and uh, 
so that's that's like pat, like go back to passing on to your kids and stuff like right. that. Like my parents didn't really they didn't really think of medication was a, was a, was a thing. But right. I I truly believe like if I was if my parents were educated on that and I was given the opportunity to do that, I think that my world would have been a little less introverted and a little less um, you know how I dealt with it. Hmm. How I internalized it, but yeah. so, so the ADHD it's a dude it's yeah yeah. My my wife thinks I have it. But I think all wives think their husbands have it. I'm Maybe. not totally sure. But, Maybe. Um, I joke, but I think I really do need to do some work. But uh, on the other side of that is that, did, would you say in, in that dark days, what, what did you say was the light? What was the light that sort oh, of said? Oh, I mean, keep, there's, there's keep... no doubt, like, not to be dramatic about it, but I would not be breathing, sitting on this earth if it wasn't for my son. Yeah. Period. Period. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um so that was my guiding light. I just like, yeah, no, I'll be, I'm going to be there for him as much as I, as I need to. And mm. I knew, I knew that, that, you know, whatever it was, was, it was hopefully temporary and yeah. And that was, that was it. So, you know, it took me a long, it was a long journey. Like, yeah, but that was, that was it. That was the beginning of the light for me. I was like, mm. was, yeah, I'm not going that way. I'm going this way. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. A couple of dads here, by the way. I, I got three kids. You got three kids. Yeah. I, I can, you know, for myself, they're the light of my life. Um, I often say, with my kids, my stock kept going up too. When my son was born ten years ago, all of a sudden it was a little bit harder to get me out of the house, a little bit harder to book a Donna Marrow. Not quite that hard, but still, like I gotcha. Yep. Yeah. And then then my daughter showed up, and it was another level of like. So every time I, I got a kid, I make a little bit more money. Basically, so it's just like, an, oh, my third kid's here now. Now I'm worth this much because it's like that much harder to get me out of the, the house. Demand, supply and demand. Thing. Supply and demand. Yep, you were demanded at your house a lot. Yes, but I'm done at three. Hmm. I, 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 I'm stopped. I'm we're, we're finished. I you give the old high had, five and then had the work done. Somebody yeah. else takes over. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think so. But I, I, I know for for us, like it was like every one of my kids. I'm, I'm saying this publicly now because this is in the podcast. But I, every one of my kids, we didn't we didn't plan them. Hmm. Um, we know how they were made, yeah. um, but we, they were, they were all happy accidents that we're glad that they're here. But, yeah, yeah. um, I, I remember early on too, I didn't think I would, would, would have kids. I thought, you know, being a musician and having kids, how have you managed that, the, the kid life and the, the music life? Um, well, like Carson was born in 2005. So that was like, it was pre everything internet, like pre everything. Like I think Skype maybe was very, very early. If that was one of the first ones, I think. Um, MySpace was huge. Yeah, yeah, that was the <laughs> thing, right? Um, so when I when we would go away in the rock rock days, like you you radio tours and all that stuff, and there were there were there was decent chunks that I that I I had missed. Um, you know, back when you're like with a band, I mean, and back back in those days, it was kind of like you had no choice. Like it was just this is what you signed up for. Yeah. And it was just part of the deal. You made it work. Um, Carson's got a fantastic mom. That's just always been a fantastic mom through his entire childhood. Mm-hmm. So it was always really a good backbone. And it always was was like no matter what was going on with her and I, um, it was always just like the schedule would always be um, moved and was very understanding with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And never made it about, you know, used him as a chess pawn or what, you know what I mean? So right. it was made as... As, as good as it possibly could have been, um, for sure. So him and I had a really good relationship and still have a great relationship. And so because now you have two younger ones. Yeah. Six yeah. and three, you said? Six and two? Eight and, okay. eight and almost two, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it was so it was so different with Carson because it was just a, right. uh, a separation and being on the road so much and just not having to be at FaceTime and stuff, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's much, much different with this. Well, I, with I would this, yeah, say, too, like, two kids. the pandemic, yep. for me... And, you know, none of us wish it ever had happened, yeah. but in some ways it offered me a beautiful gift. And I often say this yeah. is that, cause I, I like you, I don't sit still. I, I want to keep moving. I do a million things, too many things probably. Yeah. 
And, uh, but when the pandemic hit, it was like the world said stop and I got to just be dad and it was pretty beautiful for, for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I like, I mean, everybody had their bitterness with it, but that's how, you know, hopefully everybody got that, that something to make it sort of palatable and like, you know, a light in the, in that dark time. Right. Mm -hmm. It was, it was like, what, what, like if (laughs) we don't, we, we don't have a war, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, if this was it, we got to, instead of being shipped off or somewhere else, right? Um, we got to spend that that chunk of time in a traumatic society event, right? World event mm-hmm. um, with our kids side by side. Like that's pretty. It's pretty cool. I don't. Yeah. Has it ever happened? Like I don't think so. Like, Not no, that I right? know of. No, you, we like you go to your with your six year old to the coal mill. I don't know. Like what would you do back? Then? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, and we watch so much Netflix. Yeah. 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 Way too much phone, way too much fell into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Kids yeah. fell into that, you know. Um, at this stage of your life, of your career, you've been, you've been really key in helping a lot of people too. And I think, you know, on, on both the mental health advocacy work, now, this, this term mental health, I always think, people often think, well, that's, that's for people who have mental health stuff. We all have to juggle the mental health of ourselves. And yeah. some of us do a really good job of it. Some of us not so well. Is your brain healthy? Yeah. That's right? really what it is. Yeah. And you've been you've been on the front lines of that, and you've also been on on the front lines of helping a lot of artists along the way and being being able to support. Is that the long journey for you? Do you want to keep doing that in the next? Uh, yeah, I, I'd love to. I'd I'd love to. I've been inspired by a lot of people <clears throat> throughout my career, and start off with um, with the Nickelback guys and how they uh, offered up just very entrepreneurial, like like uh, with what they did. You know, Chad came and wrote some songs with us and like took us out on tour and. You guys you still know. pals? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, all those guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that kind of stuff, like them taking us under their wing, you know, and yeah. and taking us on that journey, and and you know, helping us, um, you know, miss some of the pitfalls that a lot of artists, you know, bands would go through back in that time. I wish they told us. I wish they would have told us to get a different business manager, but <laughs> they missed one. But uh, but like that, and I saw that with um, with the stuff down in Nashville, and just you know, people supporting people and, and building a, a community and uh, like a family around you of people that are just, just you want to be around and you want to, life's too short. Mm-hmm. Work with assholes, I want to I wanna help people that I think deserve it and surround myself by great people and, and hopefully they can, we can all flourish. And Yeah, it's really, really important. Just those examples have been sent to me. So, yeah. so I, I just try to pay that forward and it's fun. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Um, you know, on this 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 thing that I do, this podcast, I like to ask and find out what is inspiring people today. You know, is there, is there podcasts or books or, uh, shows, documentaries, things that, what do you dive into to inspire yourself? Do you, is, do you, or do you just sort of get surprised by things that are inspiring you or do you, do you look to certain sources? I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give like, like aim my hyper focus weirdness into like what I was talking about, like positive things for myself um, so a lot more therapy and just diving into some stuff that I just, you know, just getting some answers and things of why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And like, so I'm, I'm honestly trying to be inspired by that and trying to just go down that journey more so than I ever have. And, uh, yeah. So I, yeah, you have family, um, you know, just, yeah, going back and listening to some records that I know that just had a lot of meaning to me and as a... Desert Island record. Oh. Blah. That's that... When you, when you do, like, top three records, it's easy. When you do top one, that's so difficult. Okay, okay three. I'll take three. You don't okay, have to well, say Donna Merrill. It's okay. <laughs> it's definitely it's not one of my records, I can tell you. Um, it would be, uh, I mean... Uh, what's the story oasis i mean okay yeah uh and then i would say i would say probably diorama by silver chair which is kind of an oddball okay. one yeah, yeah um and then i would say dirt by allison chains mine would be jagged little pill oh yeah that's more yeah. set yep uh probably uh um uh, Counting Crows. Ah, that's a good one. I remember what that album is called. Uh, and it'd be the, my, my number one one would be a toss up between Five Days in May, Blue Rodeo, and John Mayer's Continuum. Uh, so there's okay. a, yep. so a couple of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because you didn't ask. 
<laughs> what are your three three favorite? You could put that in editing. There you go. <laughs> like my first musical like memory of like 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 oh my god I love this was like a, was Abbey Road uh, that Abbey Road medley. Um, uh, uh, she came in through the bathroom window. All that stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Paula theme Pam and all that stuff. That was like I my my dad. I had like an alarm clock on my on top of my bed thing. And my dad on Sunday nights would put on the like AM station, and it had like the old readings, the stories, like back in the you know like War of the Worlds and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, and I always thought that was pretty cool. And I actually, instead of falling asleep like I would always do, I actually made it through that whole uh, episode. Episodes. And then the first thing that kicked off, and I never heard it. My Beatles a lot, a ton in the house, but I never heard that um, for whatever reason. And it just started off, and I was just, like, amazed. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, the first, like, goosebumps and, like, really, really inspired by music was that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. other stuff was just around and it was around me. Mm-hmm. But that was the first, like, yeah, where I started really, really digging into records. And then, yeah, Zeppelin and all that stuff. Um, I, I know I asked this off the top, and if you're okay with it, if, if, does anybody in the room have a question for Dallas? Because I think uh, you, you were really, really kind to share your time, brother. Yes. So my name's Amanda. I'm a big fan of you guys, just so you know. Tipping Point is still on my top 25 most played. Love it. Yep. I was in University of Lethbridge when you opened for Florida George Line. And oh. I left after your show because I was like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, what? what I was wondering is, I feel like in country music culture, there's a lot of emphasis on drinking. Like, is your cup full? Um, is everybody partying tonight and a lot of the music focuses around drinking. So I was just asking how you cope with that and, you know, get through shows when that's such a big part of the culture of country music. Uh, I've, I, yeah, I've never really had an issue with singing about, yeah. Cause like when I finally decided to, like I had quit drinking a couple times, but when I finally like it was laid out on the line again, like a turning point in your life where it's like, I'm either going down this path or I'm going to go down this path. Um, it, it, it was such an, it's such an easy thing for me not to drink now. Like I feel very, 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 very fortunate. Um, it's so never really you, been, you, you don't drink at all. You, I know I, I'm five and a half years sober now. Right. Okay. So it's a fairly, fairly newish thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I kind of put that to, I kind of put that to bed, and I think like the drinking thing is everybody's own journey. Um, I'm I'm jealous of people who can like have a sober drink, you know, just like like a social drink, um, and just hang out. That was not really my thing because just the inner turmoil and stuff. You just try to try to disappear and try to numb it, right? So that was always my thing. Like I, me- I remember back in the the default days, we were on a three month run, and Jeremy and I were like. We tried to go as long as we could. We got blackout drunk every single night. Uh, it was mm-hmm. well over a month and a half. Like it was like every single night. Then you'd sweat it off the next show, feeling like garbage. And then you'd right away, you start drinking near the end of the show and right back mm-hmm. at it. Right. Um, yeah. I put that stuff to bed. <clears throat> yeah. Do you ever, it's not really an issue. Yeah. I think I think I, I know what you mean though. Like I, I think that there, there's this sort of running joke about you know the songs are they going to have a, a truck or a beer on a console and that idea of like perpetuating this this alcohol thing and um, I I'm one of those ones who can have a drink and, and just it'd be fine with it. And I think I'm I think I think that there's there's a number of people who just enjoy a drink for the sake of enjoying a drink and, and can kind of but the danger is is that there's a number of people that also have that one drink and it turns something on and they can't stop. Yeah. And I think that, that that's what we're talking about is sort of how do you find a way to like, um, it, I mean, you've got a big audience, right? Like you've got, you've got a pretty big audience that, that pays attention to what you say and what you do. And I even think about that with my sort of smaller audience and just saying, how can I help the person on the other side that may be in that place of like, like if you can't handle this, don't do it. If you can, then so be it. But it's hard because we also can't tell people how to live, right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard, it's hard, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's from, from the audience, I mean, you can probably tell when you look out in the audience which one has a problem with it, which one doesn't mm-hmm. for the most part, but, right. yeah, it, you know, honestly, it's never really something I really even thought about, but it'd be interesting to, like, yeah, yeah, like, I'm not judgmental with that at all, like, I, I'm pretty vocal, like, like I, right. marijuana use, that's my, that's my vice, like, I use that to, 
you know. But going down this dive, like I'm trying to cut back from that because that also takes me out of being present right. too, right? So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not judgy or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think, and that's a tough question because it is so prevalent in, in yeah. music in general, like in society. Uh, like it's just it, yeah, in society, alcohol. They just another trippy thought for me is to think that governments earn so much of their money based on human addiction. You know, tobacco gambling, alcohol, like our government's budgets are based on speeding tickets. You know, all the things that we do presumably wrong is how they're making a lot of their money. So it's really strange to think like, is there a society that exists without those things in place? I I don't know. Maybe that does exist. I've not done the research, but I don't know. I don't know. But like for me, my view on alcohol now is is just, it's, I just wish there was something else out there because it if if you are if you are not in a good place, it mm-hmm. takes you to a not good place. You well, know, it's, it's 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 a that's a tough thing, and it and it it like it like it gaslights you. Like you just you just it's just a shitty. To well, me, it's a shitty drug. I I I I I, I prefer other stuff, and I think other stuff are better for you. Um, mm-hmm. But but teach their own. Yeah. Well, I know there's been an attempt at like dry events, dry things, but I don't. I think the struggle is sometimes those events are trying to make money as well, and so. It's if we had the answer, we'd we'd let you know. But it's just it's one of those things that we definitely I think that this this society itself is wrestling with what that is. But really good question and important yeah. to be thinking about. Yeah. Um, does anybody else in the audience have a question? Yeah, right there. Hello. Hello, you. So, my name's Justine. Hi, Justine. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you? Good. Long time no see. I know. Um, so my question is, I feel like you've accomplished a lot in the course of your like extensive career. You've toured the world, number one songs, like pretty much done all of it. Do you have anything at like the top of your bucket list, like a venue that you've never played or something that you want to accomplish that you're like, oh, that would be super cool to do? Um, I mean, like for bu- like for bucket list venues, there's not a whole lot. There's, like, I, like Red Rocks is one of them. I mean, I think just like any spot in Madison Square Gardens, like being able to go into that building, like you're playing it, regardless if you're like headlining or opening or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's pretty cool. So I think those, those do be a top, top list for sure. Mm. Yeah. Hi, this is for both of you. My name's Tammy from Barrie, Ontario. Anyways, my question is both of you are dads. Both of you guys have mental health issues. Are you watching your children for any signs and being prepared for taking those steps like, oh, I'm recognizing that behavioral issue and this is how you're going to deal with it? Oh, we're, we're, we, are, we, are, we are in it. We are in the fire with that, absolutely. <laughs> um, with more than one kid, you know, two different types of, of uh, experiences. But yeah, and that's, and that's like I feel so blessed to be in this time where we have like a lot of research and yeah. can start to give my kids the tools that that i didn't have as soon as i've recognized the uh um the symptoms and sort of the things that i i i, I had uh yeah yeah that i recognized you know for sure and like instead of you know like uh behavioral issues that you you used to just like you get smacked about it's like it's just it's not about what is being done it's an emotion it's it's you know, you learn about you learn about what's uh, how differently to handle handle things and and, and handle children. And uh, I feel really blessed to be you know with that information and have yeah. that knowledge. So yeah, yeah. We, we live in a in a day and age now where it's it's important to be thinking like you know like you said kind of earlier like our, our folks probably didn't think so much it was going you want they were told to walk it off or you know suck it up. No, and, you nobody's know, like, bad. Like, they're not bad yeah. parents at no, all. I love so. them and they love me dearly. And but but we evolve like yeah. we, we just evolve with knowledge and we always have and we always will you know mm-hmm. yeah. and the, and the tools that they had were not the tools we have now and so yeah so yeah I think you know for like with my son you know we noticed started noticing things with him and we took him to a, a specialist and who would, did some one on one work with him to find out about ADHD and um and so yeah it really is about like the last thing I want to do as a parent is fail to see those things and help my child walk through that a bit and so um, we're doing the best we can with all that stuff. And uh, again, luckily, I've, I've got a wife who's really, really on top of things. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you would echo that too. But I, oh yeah, my, like, my wife has an absolute thirst for that that knowledge, and mm-hmm. she she really like is on my team, and she gives me you know a lot of knowledge that she comes across and stuff mm-hmm. too. Super I get a lot supportive. of Instagram posts. 
Do oh, she man. forwards me? Check this out. Read this. Look at this, yeah. <laughs> dude. I'm seriously, we'll show this afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But it's just constant, like, oh my god, therapy. This breathing, that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? Yeah, send it's... me a funny one every once in a while. It's like <laughs> <laughs> just one funny. We send her the dad jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anybody else? Thanks, by the way, for for hanging out with us today and listening in. And you know, I, I I say this a lot with people with my shows is that you know you. You didn't have to come. You didn't have to sit here, but you did, and you, you gave us the gift of your ears, and that means a lot to us, so thanks. You didn't stand up and walk out mid. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> um, hello. Um, my name is Arliss, um, and I wanted to thank you guys. My voice is shaking. <laughs> I wanted to thank you guys for the conversation because it is a fellow mental illness, mental health, ADHD over here. Um, one of my really powerful posts that you posted actually was – when you had your medication in your hand. Uh, um, and I wanted to thank you for that because that was um, really meant a lot to me. Oh, thank um, you. But of my course. question is, so I actually do write music as well, and it's usually about mental health, mental illness. And I find it's a fine line between not being able to be digestible for, for people or being too dark or too heavy. Um, do you have any advice about that? Oh. I don't, I don't know if... I, I think... Like anything, I think it's about relationship. Like when you're when you're reaching people with whatever you're doing, um, if there's relationship there, you can kind of go wherever. But but it has to start with a like a handshake, right? And, and a, even a virtual handshake. Like I sometimes find like I guess if I'm understanding the question correctly from my perspective is um, being able to build a relationship with people that are watching what you're doing. And like you know Dallas, and you've been watching. So when he shared that post, you were already in, right? You you you, you had. He had won you over, right? And and so I think that post, that was like the heart on his sleeve, kind of like, here's where I'm at. And I think that relationship that you have with people that are watching you, that's going to go a long way. Um, and you can kind of go wherever, you know. Um, and some of it's going to be, it's just being real. I think that the real is, is, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, and I'm assuming like like that process is a very therapeutic thing for you, right? So Absolutely. I, yeah, so I think that's that's... Think about everybody who's in the same position and feel the same way or, or take a, can take a piece of that and relate to it. Um, maybe not entirely, but a pe- you know, it doesn't have to be. And just think of those are the, those are the people that you're going to touch, you meet, you're gonna, they have touched and reached out to uh, and connected with, and that's going to be doing it in a way that's you know, therapeutic and authentic to your journey through this, right? So I think you know, don't, don't put too many boxes and, or keep it on a box too much. To make it digestible, you know, just put your voice on it. And if it, if it speaks to you, it'll speak to, to others for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I heard this really cool thing. Another thing I, I got all these posts again inspired by. But somebody said recently, um, if people aren't listening to you, then move on. Stop talking. Your value is your voice. And if people don't want to hear it, then don't give it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. There's a lot of people out there. And there's a lot of ears that that you can speak to. Is no, don't yeah. stress. Yeah, and and don't don't worry about those that aren't listening because there's there are those that do. There and, always will. Yeah, yeah. I had this. I was talking to somebody this morning. It's funny because as musicians, I don't know about this is for you, but for me, I'll be singing to a crowd of people and the house is full, and, and one person sitting there with, and they don't care about my music. Oh god! And all I could think about this happened last night. All I could think about is that one person who didn't look at me and didn't smile when I was smiling at them, and I was like. But yet I've got a room full of people that are loving it. But it's like I, that one person I didn't. Yeah, it's, yeah. that's a process. It's something you got to get over eventually. I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember doing this week earlier on in my my uh, the country journey. It was like I when the first big tours we did, the first big opportunities was opening up for Bob Seger, like playing right before Bob Seger, <laughs> and you know it's like a legit like uh, there's bikers in there, like legit legit music fans like real deal songwriting and stuff and it was all going great it was going really really well won the crowd over and nobody i didn't see anything that was too bad and then i played wasting my time and i saw this big biker just stand up and go fuck stuck his finger at me (laughs) stood there for like a good verse i was Uh, rattled like i mean i was rattled i was not expecting that of course but you know you learn and then I, i go back to like big valley jamboree we played uh um a bunch a few years back and it was during the daytime and i called a whole bunch of people up to the front like i just could you know whatever right and it was an old old guy old farmer <laughs> there sitting there with his wife and he was pissed off and he just sat there and his old farmer flipping the bird and i just <laughs> just like the, the difference of like how you handle it i just went over there and i just gave him a kiss like i 
That's awesome. So, so yeah, he, he put the finger down. I played a I played a whole series of concerts in care homes in Manitoba. So different audience. Yep. For sure. I played a care home. Yep. And yep. and I remember I was about four songs in, and I'm in my head going to. Oh, these people are loving my stuff. I'm a singer songwriter. Look at my beautiful finger picking style. And one guy in the back goes, Don't you know any good songs? <laughs> <laughs> and that's stuck with me ever since. <laughs> There's always those moments, man. Oh uh, my god. So good. So yep. good. Yep. I think I think we're we're nearing the end here, folks. Uh thanks so much for being here. Dallas. Hey, you are you are honestly a big part of leading this conversation. I think in this whole country, uh, in this genre, outside of this genre. So, man, I really am grateful for you and the work you're doing, and and and, and I'm I'm hoping we can we can do some work together down the road. And, yeah, man, absolutely, um, absolutely. I appreciate I, the opportunity to have me on here, and yeah, like you said, we're both kind of heart and sleep kind of guys. So, yeah. you know, let's just talk about it while we're going through it, and and you know, going back to your question, it's just let's talk openly. Uh, it's true to you, and you're gonna you're gonna speak and connect to a lot of people. And I think uh, you and I hopefully have done that a little bit. Thanks, Dallas. Thank you, Thanks, As I always say, it takes a village to run things here at Through the Fire, and I want to thank my village executive producer Sarah Burke, administrators Lori Brown and Alan Gray Eyes. Video and audio design by Chris Godry and his team at 44 Films. Feisty creative for their design work. Social media support by Johnson Design Company. And last but far from least, I want to thank our technical producers, Matt Kundle and Evan Serminski from the Sound Off Media Company. I look forward to sharing more great conversations just like this one on the next Through the Fire. You see the light. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.